The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501c3 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of new media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com. Welcome to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible Study Evangelista, and we're in our last episode on the Freedom from Anxiety series. I'm going to pull together some loose ends from the whole series, and we're going to talk about rest in the body and the soul. And I'd like to just, for one of the loose ends, I'd like to address something that someone sent me in a message. They were talking about uh, lack of obedience to husbands, which we talked about in the last show. And she talked about what does a woman do when her husband has no interest in taking on that role. And I understand that. I understand that. I really do. I I see a lot of that. Um, The first thing I would say about that is a lot of times our men do not rise to their leadership role because they know we will do it for them. So as difficult as it may seem or actually even be, to step back and almost force that, that's what we really need to do. We need to step back and stop doing the leadership things that our husbands are really supposed to do. That's the whole point of getting back underneath the proper structure, the proper hierarchy of how God has ordered our marriages and our families. I know that... um, that the desire of a wife is always to to first and foremost keep the family running properly but as with all things when when you're trying to realign something there's going to be a period of total chaos and so you just have to kind of prepare yourself for the the absolute reality of that so if you are seeking to realign your family properly and hoping that your husband will step up, you have to just sort of be prepared for the fact that things are just probably going to fall apart in some areas while you're waiting on him to do that. But this is necessary. They won't do it if you do it for them. It's the same with a small child, which, and I'm not comparing our adult husbands to children, but I'm just saying that it's the same principle. Nobody is going to do a job that you're going to step in and do for them. So that's part of that realignment. And that's what we have to really trust God for. We have to trust him with the consequences of that obedience, that we, that, that step of obedience that we take toward him and, and the attempt to realign our, our families. That was a great question. And I, I wish I had addressed it then, but I'm glad that it was asked because I know that a lot of people struggle with that. And I hear this is part of why I even mentioned and spent a whole show on it last week. The, the whole reason I mentioned it is because I see it all the time. And the, this excuse is always from the wife. Well, my husband won't do it. Well, he might do it if you step away and stop doing it for him. We don't know. And, and there are some cases in which a husband won't at all. 
And that's, you know, something you have to work out with God. How, how far do you go in allowing the family to fall apart when a husband won't do what he's supposed to do? I don't know that answer, but I do. All I know is what the Bible teaches about proper authority. And, and I know what happens to our bodies when we step out from underneath that proper order. And so that's all I'm saying. I'm just offering you the information. I can't tell you what to do in each situation. That's the proper order. And I know that many, many husbands, they don't take a leadership role. And I understand that. But that doesn't mean that we necessarily need to step in and do that. It's not our role. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be done or that that there may not be circumstances in which you have to lead. But you just have to be aware that when you do that, it causes problems in in lots of areas. And and who knows what will happen if you just completely step back. Most of us are too uncomfortable with even the possibility that we wouldn't even try it. But that's what I'm that's the reason I'm giving you the information to consider what would happen if you if you tried it. And are you willing to risk that with God obeying him and leaving the consequences to him no matter what? So I'm just throwing it out there for you. So we talked in previous shows about physical addictions. So I'm not going to really get into that. But of course, we know that addictions to sugar and other substances, other activities, sometimes work can be an addiction. Those kinds of things are unrestful for the body. But also we know that anxiety, constant anxiety causes insomnia and it's a cycle. You know, you don't sleep because your mind is racing and then your mind is racing so you can't sleep. It's that chicken before the egg thing. So anxiety then, it's important to address our thoughts and emotions in order to be able to rest in our bodies because we need the sleep. The lack of sleep causes fuzzy thinking. It's illogical thinking and our bodies need that time to recover So it's important to do all you can physically to help yourself sleep there. There's lots of stuff online on how to how to prepare your environment and your schedule and your body for sleep. So I just want to mention that sleep is important. Also, too much caffeine, too much caffeine can cause your heart to to kind of get out of whack. That's, I think, part of what happened to my husband when he had that panic attack that sort of um, inspired this entire series, but I don't know anyone who who suffers from anxiety, whether it's long term, prolonged, or in in spells that sleeps well. And typically, uh, caffeine will exacerbate that. So does alcohol. Alcohol keeps you from sleeping. So if you're drinking too much, you're not going to sleep. And so sleep is important. Your limitations on caffeine are important. Your limitations on sugar are important. Sugar also causes the heart to race and the body's mechanisms. They can't slow down. So watch those things physically. Of course, we talk all the time about exercise and diet. Exercise is one of the best things that you can do to battle depression and anxiety because it it kind of flushes some of that chemical stuff out. Um and we all know that's true, so I'm not going to harp on it or, or get into that very deeply. We all know what we need to be doing physically in our sleep, in limiting caffeine, in eating well. We know that when we don't treat our bodies well, we, we suppress the immune system and it cannot function for us when we come into contact with pathogens 
out in the in the world. And I'll be honest, you know, I, I travel all the time. So um, I'm conscious of this all the time. I try to make sure that even when I'm traveling, I sleep. I get plenty of sleep. I limit that caffeine. I don't drink alcohol. I try to eat as, as well as possible. Um, but that's partly because I know that the travel itself is stressful on my body, but also the the back-to-back tra- travel, it um, it compounds. So there's this cumulative effect. And if I've traveled all year, by the fall, when you hit that season when there's no sun and your vitamin D is really low, I, I noticed early on that I would get sick every single fall. And so I started really paying attention to that and, and taking better care of my body and upping that vitamin D. Vitamin D deficiency is a huge reason why we get sick. So you can look into that on your own. But that's a um, some physical things that we can do to sort of help our bodies to rest. So we eat well, we exercise, especially in times of high stress. Uh, and depression, we limit that caffeine, we limit the alcohol, we limit the sugar. Those things all contribute to this unrestfulness that we have in our bodies. But so do so do these other physical problems, which is why I mentioned last week about this authority thing and women, because we don't, that's the last thing we think of. When we have a physical problem, the last thing we think of is a spiritual connection. And really why I did that last week was to to help you start thinking in that direction. When you have a physical issue, my rule of thumb typically is what is the symbolic connection to the scriptures for a particular part of the body? We know that anxiety and stress causes IBS and other bowel issues. Um, and that's that's symbolic in, in the scriptures of your heart your your emotions being churning they're churning so bowel issues are very common in my one-on-one com, uh, consultations a whole lot of female issues and fertility issues go back to mother wounds obesity is oftentimes a stuffing of emotion where you just you don't want to feel it so you stuff it and that stuffing is shown through that metaphorical the eating the stuffing hoarding is also one of those things so there are my point here is not to I'm not finger pointing all I'm doing is is asking you to consider the physical connections to the spiritual how your spiritual life manifests itself your spiritual life meaning your thought life your emotional life and your your spirit how all of that manifests physically and we know through the science now that those things are are directly connected to our bodies. And so it's really important to keep that in mind, those spiritual connections, as you're trying to understand how to bring your body back into balance when it's when it's in trouble or it's in pain or it's sick. So just keep that in mind. I'm throwing that out just to keep you aware and to help you start to find the connections so that you can start making spiritual and emotional and and mental changes to help you bring it all into balance because rest is a whole body whole person approach we have to look at our thoughts we have to look at our emotions we have to look at our bodies and our souls more on that when we get back
Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Sonia created the Love the Word Bible study method just for you, based on Mary's personal practice and formulated for your personality and temperament. Get your Love the Word meditations every Monday morning by signing up at BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Now, here's Sonia. One thing that's really important as we kind of overview the whole series that we've done on rest is to just highlight an assumption that I've made from the very beginning that we probably should just emphasize once more, that if you are living in mortal sin, you will never find rest no matter what you do. Mortal sin in and of itself is so unrestful to the mind, to the emotions, to the body, and to the soul that no matter what you do exteriorly or how you try to control your thoughts and emotions, you're never going to have that peace that you're looking for if you remain in mortal sin. So that has to be addressed at the very top. And when I say mortal, for, for those of you who are not Catholic, we mean serious sin, serious, persistent sin that you you just cooperate with. You've stopped even fighting it, and you know it's serious. You know it's destructive. And you continue to do it out of habit or, well, when I was living in mortal sin, I didn't think I had a choice. I mean, my anger was just, it was so much a part of me. I didn't think I had any control over it. But it was, it was a habit of mortal sin. And so, again, I'm not pointing the finger. I'm just, I'm just emphasizing something that should be so very obvious to us that just escapes us sometimes. We can't figure out why we're sick in our bodies. We can't figure out why we're anxious. We can't figure out why these emotions just blindside us sometimes. Well, you have to look at that first. That's why we began with the spiritual attack of the enemy, because the en- enemy attacks us in our woundedness. And that's where all of this other behavior comes from. So it's important then to just point out that mortal sin, serious sin, habitual sin leads to unrest. And not only unrest, it leads to a forfeit of the promised land of rest, but but that's for now, but also it can completely cause you to forfeit the promised land in eternity. And we don't want to do that. So fear, anxiety, all of that floods the amygdala and all of that chemical emotion, we'll call it, all of that keeps you from thinking logically. It keeps your body in the fight or flight response and you're not able to think with wisdom you're not able to react logically it's it's clouding everything anxiety clouds all of the the good mental and emotional and physical rest that we want so 
the fear, we addressed fear right off the bat too, because fear is, that's where that anxiety comes from, is this constant fear. So we've looked at lots of ways then of how to control your thoughts, how to transform your emotions, and why it's important to allow your body to have the proper conditions to be able to rest. But there's one thing that we must do. This is the number one thing that we must do if we're going to have rest in our bodies. This is where we finally get to the inactivity that I thought the word rest meant exclusively when I first began learning this print, these principles from God through the passage in Hebrews chapters three and four, which I go into in the book um, systematically, and we've done throughout the series. But the the word Sabbath means rest, and it's a it's a whole body rest, but it does literally include a lack of activity on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was the center of Jewish life. It was, and it was meant to be the center of our life as well. Only we don't practice Sabbath anymore. We observe a Sunday, but the principle remains because it's part of natural law. It's in the 10 commandments. And most of us think that rest is last on the list because it's the, we spend so much time in our week working in, you know, all the various ways that we work at home, in a job, whatever. We work for six days most of us even seven, to be honest, but we work for so much time, we think that rest is at the bottom of the list. But if you look at the Ten Commandments, rest is at the top. Rest is at the top with God. God said, observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. And in order to observe the Sabbath properly, you must rest in your body and worship in your soul. And so the two things together, physical rest and worship, are a whole. You cannot separate them. And so if you haven't worshipped properly, then you haven't rested properly. If you haven't rested properly, physically, then you haven't worshipped properly. They are inseparable. So I like to call it a worship rest. And it is at the top of the Ten Commandments, this observation of the Sabbath, keeping a proper Sabbath. So we have to see that it is important to prioritize our time properly so that Sunday remains for us a true rest day, not just for us, but our families and and our schedules, everything, our children, everything has to center. Our lives are meant to center around this Sunday because it interrupts this manic working that we do. And you know as well as I do that our schedules can can turn out to be a taskmaster. And here's another here's another area where we don't control our time. We allow our time and our schedules to control us. And we have to get this balance through keeping a proper Sunday because if we do that what we what we've done is we've interrupted the work week. We've proclaimed that work is not the master over me. God is. I am going to observe a proper Sabbath by worshiping and by resting. And so for the Jewish people, their entire lives centered around this idea. And that's the thing, the number one thing that let all of the nations around them know that they had this covenant with God. It was part of keeping the covenant with him. And so it's true of us as well, because 
Jesus doesn't set aside that law. He embraces it and he deepens it. He says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, which means that we're not slaves to it. It's not a luxury, though. It's an absolute necessity. Rest in your body and keeping a proper Sabbath with worship rest is not a luxury. It is part of natural law and breaking it and breaking it, the Bible says, leads to death. It leads to burnout. It leads to exhaustion. It leads to the physical symptoms that that we battle and have no consideration whatsoever for the spiritual aspect of it. When we consistently break the Sabbath, we will surely die, the Bible says. And over and over for the, the people of Israel, when they continued to break the Sabbath, they fell into bondage to other nations. And so we can fall back into enslaving habits when we don't keep the Sabbath properly. That can be addictions. That can be all kinds of things. But it's so important to reorient our time to this principle because it is part of natural law and it's not a luxury. It's an absolute necessity. So break this this law of worship rest to your own detriment. When we work, whether it's at home or a place of employment or a church, we're mostly focused the whole week on what we want to accomplish. And even if we're working for God in ministry, we usually begin with this idea of what we want to do for God rather than what he might want to do through us. So Sabbath is meant to help bring our focus back to God and the work that he wants to do through us at our places of employment, in our homes and in the marketplace. So on Sunday, we ask, what is God creating through me and my work? As we anticipate a new work week, we might even ask, what does the Holy Spirit want to create this week through me? One of the things that Jesus shows us about God is that God is always working, but he's always at rest. He's always at rest, but he's always working. And so even while we work, we're able to rest in thought, emotion, body, and spirit, in soul, because of the peace that we have achieved with God in learning the principles of controlling our thoughts and transforming our emotions so that while we work and and put out fires all day long, we're able then to rest in the midst of some of that chaos. And then we allow our bodies and our minds and our souls, all of that to literally rest on Sunday and reorient itself to what God is doing in and through us. It's not about... It's, it is about what we're doing, right? But we really need to get that focus back on what does God want to accomplish through me? Now, as I was journeying on my way from the Protestant churches to the Catholic church, this was probably the number one principle that I was able to practically put in place just right away. And I went all in. I tell the story in the book, so I won't, I won't spend a lot of time on it. But what was interesting to me as I was coming into the church and I found the doctors of prayer and and all of these principles of, of rest, especially John of the Cross, where he talks about healing this woundedness. I was struck by how far I came in my own healing in the Baptist church through only my Bible and my relationship with God. And looking back on it, it's interesting because the pastor that I mentioned in Just Rest, who gave me his co-ed Sunday school class, and, and it caused kind of a little thing in our church, I was struck by 
after I found John of the Cross and the Dark Night of the Soul and his teaching on purification and all of that, it struck me that this particular pastor had also come very, very, very far with simply his Bible and his relationship to God. Now, I say that to say, I don't think I could have been completely healed had I not had the sacraments and come into the church because they give you the graces necessary to rest in all of those ways. They give you the nourishment and the graces necessary to help you to to complete the process of rest in your thoughts, emotions, body, and soul. More on that when we get back. You're listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Bible Study Spirits That Taste Like Cake. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. I'm talking about this idea of Catholic worship because it struck me as I was coming into the Catholic Church how far God can actually lead you to this rest using just a Bible and his relationship with us. It, it was amazing to me, actually. And this particular pastor that I mentioned in the last segment, his oldest son committed suicide. And he, he, he wrestled with God in it. And he taught us a principle at that time. He called it the little while, the little while where Jesus is absent from the apostles. He says, now you see me, but in a little while you won't see me. And he's talking about after his death and resurrection, that little while when Jesus is going to be absolutely absent from them. And that's how he felt in in losing his oldest son to suicide. He was plunged into this darkness. And that darkness, I understood that darkness. I, I understood it because that's where I was as I was coming into the Catholic Church. So, and, and then when I was able to come into the church and receive the sacraments, the liturgical worship of the church through the sacraments and, and our Sunday worship, our mass liturgy, it was the crown on all the work that God had done to that point. And I'll be honest and say, I'm not sure that I ever could have made it all the way to that rest if I hadn't had that. I think in part it was because of the authority of the church, the ancient authority of the church in Christ. And I really needed that period at the end of all that I had learned that said, this is authoritative. This is 
this is true peace, knowing what is true, knowing what is true in the sacraments, in the liturgy, in the teaching of 2,000 years of church history, knowing what is true for me in liturgical worship and sacramental worship, knowing that was the period on all that had come before. And I, I'm not saying that that it was finished because I'll be doing this for the rest of my life, working on peace and working on rest in those moments when we're triggered or when the chaos around us is just overwhelming. We'll all work on this for the rest of our lives. But I know now where the peace is and how to get it. I know how to control my thoughts. I know how to transform my emotions. I know that I have to keep a Sabbath properly. And I know that proper worship is necessary to my soul. And it's necessary to your soul. God gave us throughout the Old Testament a template for worship, and it's liturgical. And that means that we, although we can worship somewhat out in nature, and we can appreciate the beauty of that, it's not the same. And so when you have people, and perhaps you're one of these who says, I don't need organized religion, I can be out in nature, and I'm fine with that. Well, that's fine, but your soul's not fine with it. And, and God knows that. That's why he prescribed it for us. He doesn't care. He just knows what will draw us most fully into his presence. And so worship isn't about us and what we prefer and what we like. It's about doing the things that God says simply because he knows what brings rest to our souls and our bodies. And liturgical worship does that. In fact, the readings for today actually talk about that. Why do you why do you call on me, Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? And so as we, we wrap up this series, what I want to say is it's not going to do you a bit of good to try to practice controlling your thoughts, transforming your emotions, and resting in your body and soul if you're not doing the things that that God has given us to help us with that. We have to be obedient and and rest in body and soul. It involves liturgical worship. And so we can't neglect that part. We have to make sure that when when we're keeping a proper Sunday that we're attending mass, that we're going to church. And I realize that COVID kind of kept us away from that some, and that's a whole different issue and and well, I won't get into it because I don't have time. But it's important to to acknowledge that as part of natural law, we must keep a proper Sunday. That means rest. And every time I, I teach on this, people always ask me stuff like, well, can I mow the lawn on Sunday? You know, I don't know. <laughs> if you find mowing the lawn restful, then by all means, do it. But you know what I'm talking about. You know that even if you keep a proper Sunday, by three, four o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, you're already planning for Monday. So I'm saying don't do that. Plan for Monday on Friday and Saturday. Plan for Sunday on Friday and Saturday so that you have an entire day of total leisure with your family. Where you can rest, where you can take naps, where you can take walks, where you can play games, where you and your family have a total rest day. So make sure that all the planning is done on Friday and Saturday so that Sunday you are free to relax and enjoy that rest that God has provided for you. And not just you, but your family as well. Now, I talk about that throughout the book, and I won't get into it too much more. I just want to highlight that, again, it's part of natural law. So we must worship properly, which means to go to Mass, and it, 
and it means to rest properly. So we must literally rest. And it's it's what the church calls an obligation, not because the church wants to tell us what to do, but because the natural law says we must do it. And so we break that to our detriment. It's very important to long lasting peace and rest from anxiety that we keep a proper Sabbath. And it's a small thing that we can begin working on today. What can you do right now that will help you prepare for the weekend so that you and your entire family have a full day off on Sunday? Now, again, Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. So if there is an emergency or you have to work on Sunday, that's fine. But choose a different day to rest and make sure you get to mass on Sunday. Make sure that you have protected that worship rest on Sunday and that you have an actual day that your body is able to physically rest. And when I when I started to get a hold of this this um, principle, I remember thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to go all in here. So I didn't do anything. And I planned my week to make sure that I had the whole Sunday to do absolutely nothing. And I, I began to kind of try to take a nap, which was very difficult for the first couple of months. But once your body gets into the rhythm of keeping time with God in this way, your body knows it needs rest. And so now I can sleep on a Sunday. I can sleep for two or three hours on a Sunday and still go to bed at my usual time and sleep all night. Your body needs rest. Now, some of y'all are resting all the time and you need a kick in the pants to get you motivated to do the stuff that needs to be done. And some of that has to do with procrastination and OCD and perfectionism, which I talk about in the book. But I just want to point out that that major procrastinators are often perfectionist. And so the whole job is overwhelming. So they won't do any of it because they can't do it perfectly. So if that's you, then we need to address that. I, I do so in the book. But the point here is that we need the rest. And you can see then if you suffer from perfectionism, how your mind, how your mind harasses you and your emotions harass you so that you cannot rest because you see all the stuff that has to be done and it's not done. And perhaps, you know, other people point out the stuff that needs to be done that hasn't been done. Perhaps you're a hoarder and you see all the stuff laying around and it causes you unrest. I have to be honest, I I visit someone, um, pretty frequently and I go to their house and I wouldn't say that that she is a a major hoarder but she definitely has that tendency and it is very difficult for me to stay in that house because it is just so full of stuff it feels suffocating to me so notice how your physical environment also reflects and even sometimes um, causes those physical reactions and, and all I'm doing is just pointing stuff out. I'm not pointing a finger. I'm just pointing things out so that you can be a, more aware of how your thoughts and emotions and your bodies and your souls are so interconnected that you can't ignore one thing without kind of throwing the whole thing out of balance. And so that's why we're taking a whole person approach. It's very important to address this rest in body and rest in soul. And so we do that primarily by keeping a proper Sunday, by worshiping and resting on Sunday. And it's important to rest properly. It's important to rest the way God has prescribed for us to rest because he knows that liturgy 
is something that the soul needs. We need the ceremony, we need the tradition, and it's supposed to be very different from anything else that we encounter out in the world. It's not supposed to be like something that goes on in an arena. It's not supposed to have a show at the at the front. It's supposed to be the worship that is occurring in heaven. And we see what that looks like, both in the Old Testament tabernacle, in the temple, the permanent temple later. We see it in the prophets, where they prophesied the new temple that would come under Messiah. And we see it in the book of Revelation, which shows us heavenly worship. Our worship is a copy, the book of Hebrews says, of the worship that is occurring in heaven. And that's why we do it, not because we prefer it or or that it's satisfies what we particularly like. It's because we are worshiping with all of the angels and saints in heaven, and we are remembering all of those that went before, all the way back to the Old Testament. All of us are one. All of us worship God in the way that he prescribed. We do it now through Uh, the church because Christ has shown us how he has fulfilled that Old Testament and brought it forward in his body, the church. You're listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Bible Study spirits that taste like cake. If you love having Bible study in your pocket, you can become a friend of the show. Click on the yellow friend of the show button on BibleStudyEvangelista.com and become a supporter of any amount and any frequency. Now, here's Sonia. to just apologize if you are a friend of the show I have to apologize and just say I'm really sorry that I haven't it's been a long time and I've been very derelict in getting you your thank you gifts and it's not because I don't appreciate it it's because for a long time I waited to get them in they're new now we don't do the bracelets anymore there's something else that I'm going to send you Uh, it took me a long time to get them in and then um it just my schedule is just crammed so I promise that I'm going to do that here shortly I'm going to get those out to you but I want to shout you out and just thank you once again for your contribution to my ministry to evangelization for your support it means so much so I'm going to I'm going to go back several weeks Venera F Joyana D Carrie H Sarah D Martina McD Deborah B Carmen L Diane G Eileen T Mary G Colleen W Maria H Anna N Janet S Sandra G Rebecca M Ann C, Cindy D, Allison R, Tara R, Michelle K, Catherine G, Ellen C, Patricia P, Sylvia R, Christopher W, Susan H, Ann L, Jackie N, Gabriella M, Ann C, Jennifer S, Teresa V, Fiona C, Cecilia H, Lisa S, Stacy S, Karen L, and Mandy W. Thank you so much for being a friend of the show. I want to also tell you um, 
that uh, the book is doing really well. But I, I have to ask you again, because Exalted did not do very well. Uh, part of that was because of COVID. But I really need your support with this new book, Just Rest. I need you to buy it. I need you to share it. I need you to give it away. I need you to write a review on Amazon for me, please. If you love me, and I know you do, please take a moment to write a, re- a review on Amazon for Just Rest really for all of them, but definitely for Just Rest, especially now, because it's just come out and it's very, very important that it has some good momentum. Because as I said, it it could mean that I don't write any more books and I got a whole lot of more stuff to to share. And so I, I need your help here in this particular time with Just Rest. I need you to write a review on Amazon. I need you to buy the book. I need you to buy copies for your friends. I need to also tell you that if you have signed up for one-on-one consultations, I am booked up now all the way through December. I only do them Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and they're two hours at a time. So all day, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'm doing one-on-one consultations. So it's not that I'm not doing them. (laughs) It's just that now we're booked out all the way to December. So just be aware of that if you're thinking about it. Um, the only way really to get on the calendar is to uh, make that first deposit at least. But um, I just want to, I want to just tell you, I am working as hard as I can. And I I am so proud of all the work that you're doing, your messages um, on social media, especially of how you're seeing victory in controlling your thoughts, transforming your emotions and resting in your bodies and your souls. I am absolutely amazed by you. I am amazed. And, And what it does for me is it confirms my own journey. It affirms the steps that God has shown me through the passage in Hebrews. And then, of course, connecting back to the Old Testament Exodus. It's showing me through your victories that what I I was able to learn through that Exodus, it's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true because I'm seeing it in you and I'm so, so proud of all of the work that you're doing. And so I appreciate so much your messages, your emails, all of that. It is really, really amazing to read your stories and to know that you're seeing peace in a way that you've never had it before. I'm just so proud of all the work that you, you've done. So I just want to kind of we'll go back and sort of do a review. I like to do that review, right? So so to recap the whole series, the desert is your mind, heart, body, and soul in unrest. Protracted long, long-term unrest is unbelief. All possibility and provision exist in that desert. When you enter the desert, you can experience the dew of heaven in new and deeper ways. That is the presence of God in the exchange of intimacy that you experience when you go to him and ask him for provision. That's called the dew of heaven. If you're reading the book, you know what I'm talking about. Emotion creates thought. Thought creates faith. And faith creates everything. The word of God and the Eucharist are are due for your mind, heart, body, and soul. You have the mind of Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 2.16. And with the Holy Spirit's help and in his presence, you can control your thoughts and acknowledge your emotions without judgment. Controlling your thoughts involves seeing your circumstances from God's perspective through his word. According to James 1.5, we can ask for that wisdom and God promises he'll give it to us. And when he gives us that wisdom, he gives us the peace that goes with it. So you should search for that wisdom and thank him for the consolation in that new wisdom. 
Controlling your emotions involves acknowledging and transforming with the Holy Spirit the truth of what you feel under your thoughts. When you worship rest with the church on Sundays, your soul and your body rest. God himself is the rest. Rest begins and ends, as do all things, with God himself. Rest comes from God, and rest is God, and we go to rest in God. He is our inexhaustible rest. Thoughts at rest, emotions at rest, body and soul at rest. The self at rest in rest himself is inner Sabbath. And that is the promised land of every child of God in Christ. That's a concise review of our entire series on freedom from anxiety. And what I want to do, I'm really excited to announce this. What I want to do next I'm going to take a couple of weeks break because I'm traveling back to back. And then what I want to do is a book club. I want to give you the opportunity to ask questions about what we've covered in the series together here on the freedom from anxiety. I want to give you an opportunity to share. I want to give you the opportunity to discuss with other people the things that you've read and the the connections that you've made and the victories that you're experiencing and the things that work for you and the things that aren't working for you. All of that. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. So I'm going to do a book club. This is one of the things that that actually was really good that came out of Exalted, even though the book didn't do very well. And I know you're going to help me make Just Rest do really well. So thank you for that. Um, So we're going to do this book club and we'll do it on Zoom. And I will probably do one. We'll do two a week, one in the morning for those of you who can do that in the morning and one in the evening the same week for those of you who can't do it in the mornings. So we're going to do a book club on Two in two particular times so that as many of you who want to participate can. And it's going to require, first of all, that you write a review on Amazon for the book, Just Rest, but you always, you also need a copy so that you can read along with us. And what I'd like for you to do is go ahead and do that and start reading it. And, and perhaps you, maybe you're one of those people that doesn't like to write in your books, but I do. So when you read something, we're going to just begin the very first um, meeting will begin with the introduction. And we'll talk about the series, we'll talk about love the word, that kind of thing, because that's where the book begins. And then we'll spend the next weeks meeting together about what you've read, and the things that are going on in your life and the questions that you may have or the stuff you want to share. So I'm excited about this because this is more uh, this is more like what I do on a weekly basis when I teach RCIA. That's part of what I love about RCIA is it's in person, you know. And although I can't do that um, with all of you because you're scattered all over the country and all over the world... Um, I do want to give you the opportunity, though, to um, for us all to meet together. I think that would be, I, I just know that that's so nourishing. So I'm excited then to offer that. That will be our next quote unquote series. There won't be a podcast um, like this. What I'll probably do, um, I'm not sure. I haven't decided yet whether I will uh, send you the well, I know if you sign up, if you sign up and you do the the book club, then you'll definitely get the recording. I don't know yet if I'm going to send it to the um, to the listeners here of this podcast or not. I haven't decided. But um, 
But anyway, I am excited about the possibility of being able to see your sweet faces and to hear more about what you're finding and the people that you're sharing it with and the the stuff that you're experiencing, this peace, this rest that the Bible talks about and that that um, that we're really commanded to uh, dispose ourselves for. The last chapter of the book uh, gives you a little exercise about God and how he sees you. And that was really fun for me to write, actually. And I'm curious what you would think about it. But in any case, as we wrap up this series, like the Israelites' subjugation in Egypt, every one of our pasts spawns these fierce and fiery thoughts and emotions that remain imprinted and reproduced in us until they're redeemed in love. And the stunning truth, though, is that the deeper essential imprint is love. This is the truth that we must believe and trust with all of our being. Our existence is this imprint, and baptism embosses it more deeply, and the desert makes us one with that personal love, the love of the Trinity. Unbelievably, God makes himself vulnerable to us in the desert. He reveals himself little by little in the provisions that he provides. And he draws us into intimacy, seeking and longing for his love to be returned so that we imprint him. As the Song of Solomon says in 8.6, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. This, my friend, is the love you were made for. This is the love that made you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Find out more at BibleStudyEvangelista.com.